0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with a new episode. We are going to continue our journey uh, looking at the sacrament of baptism. As I had mentioned in the previous few weeks on each of those episodes, I will view this as a sacrament and not an ordinance, and I have made my argument thus on the first episode in this. But that doesn't mean that it's the only argument, nor does it mean that, you know, it's necessarily uh, right and the ordinance view is wrong or anything like that. But this is the way I interpret the text. Uh, this is the way Lutherans interpret the text. And so this is the way I'm teaching it. And and I, and I hope, if, even if you don't recognize baptism as a, uh, a sacrament, I, I pray that you would just be open to seeing this side of perspective uh, versus the, you know, considering it just an ordinance. So uh, we've spent the last few weeks covering those topics, uh, sacrament, ordinance, and then we looked at scripture and we talked a little bit through that. And then we looked at some early church father quotes last week. And this week we're going to uh, continue on doing that. And we're going to look at the last few verses with some of those uh, early church fathers' uh, remarks about those particular verses Uh, And then we're going to continue on um, with how the Ugsberg lays out the uh, sacraments of the baptism. Then we're going to shift gears and look at uh, the Lord's Supper. So uh, before we really get into the meat of the show, I do apologize up front. I got a bit of a cold again. It seems like these just are pestering and uh, never leaving. So I got a little bit of the sniffles, a little bit of congestion. So my voice might get a little crackly or... Distorted, maybe I don't know, but I'll try my best to uh, keep the show clean and polished for you. And uh, so I'm, I'm very excited for this. Uh, we're gonna look at some of the scripture again, uh, along with these early church fathers. But before we do so, two couple house cleaning bits. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily two couple house cleaning pieces. Uh, one, I don't know when this this show will air, so I really can't give you like a heads up on what's coming up. Uh, but I do want to talk, you know, about the support of the show. I'm working with Acast. Uh, there is a good possibility. I may have to shift gears and go with a different host. If I do so, uh, I don't know if that's going to disrupt the launch of shows. It might throw me out a week or two. Um, and I don't know if by the time this show airs, if any of that will be resolved. Uh, cause like I said, the first episode we're, we're recording these weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of schedule. So These are all exclusive bonus episodes uh, for the moment for the patrons. And if you want to join us and support uh, this ministry, you can get all of these episodes on patron for nothing. I mean, well, I I say nothing, but (laughs) they're included with your uh, contributions to the ministry, which can be as low as a dollar a month or $10 and some change for a whole year. I give you a 15% discount uh, on uh, a year subscription You can give more You can give a dollar It doesn't matter to me I just want you to come And join this family Support this ministry And get all of the extra perks And things that I do On the side So we uh, do have Exclusive podcasts That will never air uh, Those are for patrons only The Bible studies Are for patrons only Sermon notes uh, And any other studies And things like that That we do on Discord Are patron only So come join us And uh, get a lot of extra ministry stuff being dumped onto your lap, and uh, whether you sift through all of it or some of it or the things that interest you, uh, I'm sure there's a cup of tea somewhere out there for you in what I have produced thus far. And we're only just beginning. This ministry, Undying Light Ministries, uh, is only just beginning. I know we're three years in. I know we've got over 200 episodes already recorded, but we are just getting started. We have so much left to survey. Eventually, my goal is to cover the entire Bible verse by verse on this show. And, uh, and then, you know, as well as covering doctrinal pieces as well, having guest hosts and things like that. Um, so come join us, be a part of the ministry, help support this ministry. And, uh, I hope to, uh, have you along the ride. Uh, and you might hear my daughter chuckle in the background. She's uh, hanging out with me today in the studio and uh, watching uh, Minnie Mouse. So uh, if you hear her giggle, then wonderful. Uh, like I said, last uh, last week, I think it was the baptismal episode. Uh, I had my son in my arms. Re- one of the episodes. I don't remember which one. I recorded three of them, four of them last week. And I had him in my arms for half of the show. And then the other half, he was zonked out. So super cute little guy. Uh, he's a, he's a, an amazing little six month old boy. Uh, all right. So let's get into some of the texts. Cause want to try to get through all these quotes today. Cause I want to get on into the Augsburg or the book of Concord for that matter. We're going to look at the Augsburg confession, the apology and all of that, uh, as we move through as well as Luther's large and small catechism and how he addresses the sacraments. So Our first verse up on top today is John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And if you are familiar with John, then you would know that this is the famous dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. And uh, I just want to focus on these two verses, and we're going to look at some of the early church fathers here. Uh, In fact, if you really want to get into some interesting theology, on this show uh, earlier this year, we aired uh, John 3 three where Chris from Ezra Reads the Law and I walked through John chapter three and we discussed these in two parts there's two episodes and we dug into it and so I I you know brought a lot of the Lutheran theology to the table and I thought it was a wonderful episode. We had a lot of good dialogue a lot of great back and forth and uh, I'm very excited for it. So uh this is John three five through six. Jesus Answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Well, here's how the earliest church, uh, the earliest Christians understood this. This is Irenaeus. Uh, this is, uh, again, circa 190 AD. This was a fragment, and this is what he says. And Naaman dipped himself seven times into the Jordan, 2 Kings 5.14. It was not for nothing that Naaman of old, when suffering from leprosy, was purified upon his being baptized. But this served as an indication for us. For as we are lepers in sin, we are made clean by the means of sacred water and the invocation of the Lord from our old transgressions being spiritually regenerated as newborn babies even as the Lord has declared, except a man be born through water and spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is what Justin Martyr says in uh, circa 151 AD. He says, as many as are persuaded and believe that we, Christians, teach and say it is true and undertake and be able to live accordingly and instructed to pray and entreat God with fasting for the remission of our sins that we are past, we pray and fast with him. Then they are brought by us where there is water and are regenerated in the same manner in which we were ourselves regenerated. For in the name of God, the Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit, they receive the washing of water. For Christ also said, unless you were born again, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. This was his first apology. Hippolytus says this in 2.17 A.D. He says, perhaps someone will ask, what does it conduce into piety to be baptized in the first place that you might or that you may be able to do what has seemed good to God? And in the next place, being born again by water into God on onto God so that you change your first birth, which was first from uh, the copy science and are able to obtain salvation, which would otherwise be impossible. For thus the prophet has sworn to us, amen, I say to you, unless you are born again with living water, in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, fly to the water, for this alone can extinguish the fire. He who will not uh, come to the water still carries around with him the spirit of insanity, for the sake of which he will not come to the living water on his own salvation, for his own salvation." The Recognitions of Clement, this is circa 221 AD. But you will perhaps say, what does baptism in water contribute toward the worship of God? In the first place, because of which has pleased God is fulfilled. In the second place, because when you are regenerated and born again of the water and of God, the frailty of your former birth, which you have through men, is cut off, and so you shall be able to obtain salvation. But otherwise it is impossible, for thus has the prophet Jesus testified to us with an oath. Very verily I say to you, unless a man is born again of water, he shall not enter in the kingdom of heaven. Testimonies concerning the Jews, circa 240 AD, that unless a man has been baptized and born again, he cannot obtain Unto the kingdom of God. In the gospel, according to John, except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Cyprian of Carthage in 253 AD says this. When they receive also the baptism of the church, then they shall be fully sanctified and be the sons of God. For it is written, except man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And uh, th- this just goes on. We have Athanasius in three hundred sixty eighty. He says, "As we are all from the earth and dying Adam, so being regenerated from above of water and spirit in Christ, we are all quickened." And Ambrose of Milan says, "This the Church has redeemed at the price of Christ's blood. Jew or Greek, it makes no difference." But if he has believed, he must be he must circumcise himself from sins, in baptism. Colossians two eleven through twelve, so that he can be saved. For no one ascends into the kingdom of heaven except through the sacrament of baptism. Unless a man be born again of water and the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, was, uh, in a writing called Ambrose, or I'm sorry, Ambrose wrote it in a writing called Abraham. In circa 387 AD. And again, I have plenty more that we didn't cover in that because it would be a 25-minute episode just on that one verse. So I want to uh, spend the time and and cover the rest of those verses. Um, And we're going to hit on some of just the probably more prominent early church fathers that we know of. So our next verse is Colossians 2, 11 through 14. I'll read that again. And him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Be, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in trespasses and uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him. Forgiving, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. Also, see Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes a very similar context there. All right, let's look at Justin Martyr. This is circa 160 AD. He says, For since you have read, O Typhro, as you yourself admitted the doctrines taught by our Savior, I do not think that I've done foolishly in adding some short utterances of his to the prophetic statements. Wash, therefore, and be now clean and put away iniquity from your souls as God bids you be washed in, in this laver and be circumcised with the true circumcision. The command of circumcision, again, binding them, always circumcise the children on the eighth day was a type of true circumcision by which we are circumcised from deceit and iniquity through him who rose from the dead on the first day after the Sabbath, namely though, our Lord Jesus Christ. Tertullian says this in two uh, 11 AD in his writing on the resurrection of the flesh. He says the apostle indeed teaches in his epistle to the Colossians that we were once dead, alienated and enemies of, in, to the Lord in our minds whilst we were living in wicked works that we were then buried with Christ in baptism, and also raised again with him through faith for the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, adds he, when ye were dead in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. And again, if ye are dead with Christ from the elements of the world, why, as though living in the world are, subject, are ye subject to ordinances? Ambrose of Milan, again, in 388, he says this, the, uh, this too is plain, that in him who is baptized, the Son of God is crucified. Indeed, our flesh could not eliminate sin unless it was crucified with Jesus Christ. And to the Colossians, he says, buried with him by baptism, wherein you also rose again with him. This was written with the intent that we should believe that he was crucified in us, that our sins may be purged through him, that he who alone can forgive sins may nail to his cross the handwriting which was against us. Again, I've got plenty of uh, theologians here that uh, we could work through, but we're just going to continue on our journey. Uh, We're going to look at Augustine here real quick. 421 AD says this, this is the meaning of the great sacrament of baptism, which is celebrated among us, all who obtain to this grace die there, thereby to sin as he himself, Jesus, is said to have died to sin because he died in the flesh. That is in the likeliness of sin. And they are thereby alive by being reborn in the baptismal font. Just as he rose again from the uh, sepulchre. this is the case no matter what the age of the body. For whether it be a newborn infant or the decrepit old man, since no one should be barred from baptism, just so there is no one who does not die to sin in baptism. Infants die to original sin, only adults to all of those sins which they have added through the, their evil living to the burden they have brought with them at birth. Let's move on to probably one of my most favorite uh, Bible verses thus far in this whole study, and that's First Peter three twenty one. I kind of really hammered that out on uh, uh, the um, first or second episode. Uh, I, so if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry, <laughs> Saul. Anyways, uh, yeah, I name dropped you, buddy. You know it. You better listen to this episode. Um, but no, I'm in all seriousness though. This verse says what it says, and there's no getting around it, and this is what the early church fathers said about it, First Peter 3, 21. Uh, and, and I think as I clarified on that on that particular episode, this is a clarifying of the journey Noah went through with the uh, flood. As the flood, the waters saved him, now, the, uh, as Peter says, this corresponds. That means the same thing is taking place with the water and baptism is now saving you. This is what he says, baptism, which corresponds to this, pointing back to Noah, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, again, that it just says what it says. And there's not really any getting around it. Here's what Justin Martyr says in 160 AD. Our Christ, being crucified on the tree and, and by purifying us with water, has redeemed us. Though plunged in the direst offenses that we have also committed, that he has made us a house of prayer and adoration. The mystery of saved men appeal, appeared in the Dulage for righteous Noah, along with others, uh, other mortals at the Dulag. Uh, example, his own wife, his three sons, and their wives, being eight in number, were a symbol of the eighth day. There, therein Christ appeared when he rose from the dead, for, uh, for ever the first in power, for Christ being the firstborn of every creature became ch- uh, again the chief of another race, regenerated by himself through water, and faith, and wood containing the mystery of the cross. Even as Noah was saved by wood when he rode over the waters, I mean that by water, faith in the wood, those who are afore prepared and. And who repent of their sins which they have committed shall escape the impending judgment of God. So, and then I there's actually only two uh, early church fathers on this. So, Cyprian of Carthage says this in two fifty three. Says Peter showed and vindicated the unity of the church by commanding and warning that we can be saved only through baptism of of the one church, just as the baptism of the world by which. The ancient iniquity was purged. The one who was in the ark could not be saved through water. So now anyone who has not been baptized in the church cannot be saved for the church has been founded in the unity of the Lord as the sacrament of the ark. And this is, again, circa 253 AD. Uh, I I do want to highlight this, too. Um, Baptism that now saves you is not necessarily a statement that is the only Way to save you. So, like, if if I preach the gospel, and uh, somebody who's never heard it before comes to saving grace, believes that Jesus Christ died for his sins and rose from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and if he believes this and then goes out and dies, ten minutes later, he's saved, because Paul tells us by the proclamation of our faith, by the proclamation of what we believe in we shall be saved. we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved, Romans 10, 9. I would also like to venture to say that, again, as I mentioned, baptism isn't the, the only way to save. It is not the, the only means. God has means by which his word is preached. That is the way people are saved. And guess what happens in baptism? We preach God's word to the person. So if the word is not preached Present in baptism, that is not a valid baptism. That means there is no faith being administered, there is no saving grace being administered, nothing. It is just water and empty words. So, when we say that baptism saves, it's just a means by which God communicates to us through the sacrament, water and His Word. It is just a means by which God can utilize elements to administer saving faith to somebody. That's what the apostles believed, that's what the early churches believed. And whether or not people today want to believe that, that's I, I can only convince you to what the text tells me. I can only tell you what this is what I'm reading on the screen, and these are the verses from the Bible, and these are early church father quotes and their you know support and stance behind uh, baptism. And I'd also say too, um, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the term baptismal regeneration because I find it like. That's the only like I feel like it makes the the argument kind of linear and it doesn't give us any any flexibility um, in in how people are saved. And so, I mean, as a Lutheran, I would probably just go uh, be one to throw that, uh, you know, kind of statement out in uh, and not even utilize it. All right, let's uh, take a look at Acts chapter 22, verses 12 through 16 here. And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me, he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight in Solomon. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his voice from his mouth, for you will be witness for him to everyone. Of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. All right, here's what Tertullian says in 203 AD He says, Happy is our sacrament of water in that by washing away the sins of our early blindness, we are set free and admitted into eternal life. But we, little fishes, after the example of our great fish, Jesus Christ, are born in water, nor Have we safety in any other way than the permanently abiding abiding in water? So the most monstrous creature who had no right to teach even sound doctrine knew well, knew full well how to kill the little fishes by taking them away from the water. Augustine says this in. uh, uh, 420 AD, Uh, he says baptism washes away all absolutely all. Our sins, whether of deed, word, or thought, whether sins original or added, whether knowingly or unknowingly contracted. All right, and our final verse we're going to take a look at on this show is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It should be quite familiar for all of you. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I do want to say this, and, I'm, and, I don't, I, and I've not read these, these particular quotes yet, so I don't know if they are going to echo my uh, view of this text. But here's the thing, and, and, and I find a lot of modern Christians, um, especially those who reject the fact that baptism is an ordinance, or uh, is a sacrament, and they believe it's an ordinance, they, they like to say, well, you can't baptize them until you've made them a disciple. But yet, here's the here's how the word play, at least, again, my hermeneutic, here's how I see the words playing out in Matthew 28. It says, go, and, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, comma. How do you make disciples? Well, first you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the first piece. Then, comma, you teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that's exactly what Luther will echo in his small catechism. This verse, I often find to be maybe not distorted or conflicted or twisted, but just it's misapplied. And uh, because you can't go make disciples first without baptizing and teaching them. So you have to baptize, teach. That's what makes disciples. That's my argument. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right, here's what some of the earliest uh, church fathers said. The uh, Di- Diak says in 70 AD, after the foregoing instructions, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in living running water. If you have no living water, then baptize in other water. If you're not uh, able and cold, then warm. If you are neither, uh, if you have neither, pour water three times on the head in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Titan of Syrian says this in seven, 170 AD. Then said Jesus unto them, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, and, when my, and as my Father has sent me, so I also send you. Go now into all the world and preach my gospel to all creation, and teach all the peoples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to keep all whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all, all the days until the end of the world. Tertullian says this in 216 AD says after the resurrection, he promises a pledge to his disciples that he will send them with, uh, send them the promise of his father. And lastly, he commands them to baptize in the name of the father, son, and Holy ghost unto not unto an impersonal God. And indeed it is not only once, but three times we are immersed into the three persons after each mention of their name. So, Uh, Tertullian is is more than likely describing uh, full immersion where you would, uh, you know, dunk the person three times, dunk them once in the name of the Father, then in the Son, and then in the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, Let's look at uh, Eusebius of Caesarea in 323. He says, we believe each of these to be and exist, the Father, truly Father, and the Son, truly Son, and the Holy Ghost, truly Holy Ghost. Uh, as also our Lord, sending forth his disciples for the preaching, said, "Go, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost." Concerning whom we have confidently affirm that so we hold, so we might, uh, so that we might think, so that we have held aforetime and maintain this faith unto death, anathematizing every godless heresy. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Jermon here in 382, he says, seeing that a man baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost becomes a temple of the Lord, and that while the old abode is destroyed, a new shrine is built for the Trinity so that you can say the sins can be remitted among the Arians without the coming of the Holy Ghost. How is a soul purged of its former stains which has not the Holy Ghost? And Augustine says these two things, one in 400 AD on baptism. He says, baptism in the name of the father, son, and the Holy ghost has, has Christ for his authority, not any man who, uh, whoever he may be. And Christ is the truth, not, not any man. He says this in 408 AD on the Trinity says, our Lord, our God, we believe in you, the father and of the son and the Holy spirit for the truth. Would not say, "Go baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit," unless you were a Trinity. So, a little bit of duality here uh, to conclude the time with uh, Augustine. He's given us a, you know, a very bold demonstration of the Trinity being present and the baptism into that Trinity. So that's going to wrap out uh, the early church fathers portion. Uh, next week we will dip into the book of Concord and we're going to look at uh, the confessions and the articles around baptism uh, depending on time we might get to the large and small catechism we might not it just depends on how the day flows for us so uh, again I'm taking my time with this and uh, I'm not rushing through it i you know I want to cover and and really highlight and illustrate my my position so That's going to be it today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Be blessed. We'll see you Friday.